start. Sooners of Oklahoma, 12-0, and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? What's going on, B? Uh... We knew one of these Saturdays would come, and here we are. So, uh, you know, uh, we we had the we had the uh, win in advance mentality until we didn't win. Now we got to do some course correction, and and uh, you know, move on to the latter half of the season. So, uh, not excited, but I'm anxious to talk about what we saw yesterday, and uh, some things we can do to improve, some things we need to continue to do, and uh, you know, some soul searching that needs to happen as well. It's going to be very easy to be fire and brimstone. I know the fans last night out on Twitter had the pitchforks out. It was very easy to see. I even made a few posts myself. You made a post. We even saw MC getting in on the action. Gerald McCoy getting in on the action. A lot of people had the same take. And we're going to talk about that in the show. But let's first kind of recap the game. OU goes to Lawrence. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. It's a weird game. About eight minutes left in the second quarter. You go into the weather delay. But even up until that point, DMAC, OU, there was just something off about the way they were executing. And it's been kind of the same story the past two weeks. And I think it bears diving into the details on that, which we're going to do. But looking at final stats, I think a few things pop out. One, two of 10 on third downs for OU. Kansas was four of 14, but I want to say they had at least one or two critical fourth down uh, plays where they were able to execute time of possession it wasn't the the real like deal breaker in this game but three minutes extra for kansas it felt like that made a difference in the game especially that first drive ku got off on i want to say they had the ball for like six or seven minutes to open the game and that's just that's too long and that was the worst opening series defensively ou's had all year we know that Kansas is a top offense. We know that they have some playmakers out there, right? Skinner, they got that other receiver. Obviously, Jason Bean has given OU trouble every time he's out there. Even a year ago, he put up points and yards. So without necessarily going position by position like we normally do, today's going to be a slightly different format. We got to look at the defense as a whole. We're going to get into the offense. That'll be a little bit later in the show. There are some glaring issues that are still popping up, DMAC, and I want to ask you about a few of them. One, still looks like OU at times is having trouble getting lined up. On, on one of the, I think it was the fourth and four late in the game, uh, Kansas had a trip set, kind of a bunch set to the right, and you only had two DBs out there to defend three. That's a problem. You, you also had issues uh, with defending a lot of the run game, particularly out on the edge. Um, OU has done a good job this season holding and setting the edge. Not so much this year. I believe uh, Kansas there uh, in this game, uh, first touchdown was was a run to the right side where OU just lost contain. 
you out leverage the linebackers and then you're running and, and into the pylon and that's it. So big picture with this defense moving forward, Damian, how on earth does OU, is it just a matter of getting guys back like Gentry and Peyton? Uh, Stutzman goes down also in the game. Is, is it that simple or is there more to it than that? You know, defensively, uh, I, I go back to August and we were making our predictions for the year. And we talked about, you know, the strengths, the weaknesses and some opportunities that this 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 team had, Team 129 had. And I think we can all agree we were saying, ah, this is not the perfect defense. It's substantially better. We've got uh, we've infused more talent. We've got more depth and more beef up front. But the fact of the matter is, and I think we've been consistent with this, Barry, and saying they've been very good at most key positions, right? Stutz has made some some waves and has promoved, improved dramatically. It wasn't as best game Saturday prior to the, in- uh, the injury. The defensive line has some guys who they've gotten better. They've trended the right direction all year. Um, I think at cornerback, we've been substantially better. And then obviously at safety, we've improved uh, addition by subtraction. However, however, we we said since August that this is probably a 10 win season and the team can probably top out at 11 wins. We didn't know where the lose, loss was going to come. We thought it might be Texas. So I when we talk about defense, I think context context matters. Um, situational defense for me is a bigger concern than just all out defense. Right. So let's just kind of break it down uh, from an analysis standpoint. They scored 31 points but or 38 points, but really one's a pick six, right? One is a touchdown we give them in the last 55 seconds. Granted, we gave up a fourth and six that we really needed, that fourth and six, and, and we'll talk about that. Huge. But for but for 50 minutes of the game, uh, the defense um, held when it needed to hold. We had a bust on the QB. The QB runs a 40-yarder after a big uh, – I think they get a, a turnover on downs or a turnover or something, and the QB takes 150 yards or 40 yards for a touchdown, and that's just a bust. Right? We'll talk about that play too. But from a defensive standpoint, Barry, they did about what I expected them to do. I don't think that this is a game where all of a sudden we say the defense – Oh, they're trash, right? There isn't one player who stuck out like a sore thumb. There's a couple who are relatively uh, not up to par, and there are options that we feel like could play in their place. But it's not like last year where the middle backer is a defensive end that's, you know, second team at Houston. And, you know, one of the corners is at Miami and, and, you know, potentially getting some run, but just an inferior player to what we have this year. Uh, The defense played about what I expected. There are some guys who need to improve. There are a few guys who need to sit their ass on the bench. Um, But we can clearly see coach has a plan. Um, Some situational stuff pissed me off. And then, like you said, some fundamentals, right? Like you said, setting the edge. They they do a good job of reaching when they run their power stuff to the outside. Uh, And we've got some soft edges. Uh, I want to talk about corner corners did not show in the first quarter and some of the second quarter when they're playing a hard cover two. We talked about this last week with UCF, right? If you're that cover two corner, you've got to show you are run support. You have no deep responsibilities unless you immediately have a take uh, a go route. And we saw some of the corners playing soft. And then we saw Woody come up and boom, shut shit down second quarter, third quarter, some, uh, but defensively, you know, I feel like uh Kip came in and we didn't lose much at the backer position, I feel like uh, the D line uh, went kind of regressed into a space where 
No guy just wanted to beat his guy's ass and just say, I'm going to make the play. Um, Downs made a hell of a headsy play. Uh, I think we got smart players. They, they, they're they tough guys. But just, again, just that B84 for playing Madden. They're the 84 to 86 range. Uh, nobody who's just going to whoop their guy's ass and, 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 and go make a play for us. And then the secondary, man, obviously injuries hurt us. Probably our best corner missed the entire game. And and I, I we've said it since the preseason, for sure, in my opinion, our best safety. Um, I say Peyton Bowen has the best awareness. I said he's the best tackler in the back seven, um, and he's a ball player. And for him to not be present, this is the type of game. They had a guy, I think his name's Love. I think his name's Love. Their safety, I think he's number seven. Uh, he was a catalyst on defense catalyst. He's a guy who made plays. He, he, he stoned people in their tracks. Um, he's a guy who made Dylan hold onto the ball and we needed ours. Billy Bowen makes a hedgy play on a, on a, on a tip, but Billy Bowen hasn't shown the um, awareness that we expect a three-year starter or a three-year contributor who's supposed to be a big time player for us. Um, Peyton has, even as a pup, we missed him. Stunts going out is problematic. He's been our best player uh, bar none all year. We need him back. I think he's going to miss another week or two. I don't think he plays against uh, OSU, just in my opinion. When you get an ankle and you can't put pressure yeah. on it, and you, you, you could speak to more of that, right? You get an ankle and you yeah. can't put pressure on it. That's not a three-day deal, right? That's probably a three-week deal. Um, But look, if you ask me, Mackie, who's the most glaring concern for you on defense? It's it's Canik. It's Canik. It's it's lining up. It's 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 his. He's sitting in quicksand. Uh, he's in. He's a tick late. Um, he's absolutely lost in action. If if they show action and he steps up, he has no idea or concept of how to get back into a window where which we're going to try to take something away. And even when he gets into a window, he doesn't have a feel for how to look a receiver up. Right. Okay. This might be an in cut. This might be a curl. Let me look him up and turn around and run with him so that there's no window for the quarterback to throw the ball to. He's just young. And and here's my stance on that. B. He's two years in. At a certain point, Coach Venables has to say, son, I love you to death. I think you're a great athlete. And, and who knows what your window looks like. And he's got a flip flop with McKenzie or Kip or Desan and be a killer on special teams like some of those guys are doing and let those guys get more game ready reps because he's killing us. And it's week in, week out, even when he has great games. I know people wanted to throw it, throw it in my face, Texas, you know, I, uh, and, and uh, UCF, he did make some plays, but no one has ever questioned his ability to chase the football. That's not the issue. The issue is, can he be a linebacker and be technically sound when he's got to do the fundamentals and he's not there yet? The film don't lie. Yeah, it was. Uh, they had a stretch where they pulled him. It was really the first time all year, and I don't think it was a was a coincidence that the defense during that time they uh, that they performed a little bit better. So Kansas was not able to get to quite a few things. And as soon as he comes back in the game, Dmac, you you lose Stutzman. As soon as he is back in the ball game. Kansas immediately goes there. They're sending it back out of the backfield. They're trying to make him have to pick when it comes to him sinking down into pass coverage. That the first big play was on him. Uh, Kanai actually takes his man perfectly. If you watch down the sideline, Kanai plays it as perfectly as you can. He has that deep threat. 
Canick just loses where his guy is and he doesn't get deep enough. And and Kansas and UCF both picked on that. Those were two teams that offensively rank very high. And and it's not necessarily because they have super elite personnel, but Gus Malzahn, his whole career, if you have a weakness on your defense, he will go after it. And Leipold did the same thing, right? When you're a team that is deficient, and I, want, I don't want to say that like negatively, but Kansas does not have the same personnel that Oklahoma has man for man. So you have to find like where is that that little area, that, that key spot that we can go after, and they will poke and prod to death, right? That's UCF ran right at them. They said, we're going to make you have to tackle in space. We're going to make you have to take on a guard, take on a, a, a fullback every single play, and, and you're going to have to win. And, and Kansas did very similarly. Kansas did a little bit more to the outside than, uh, than UCF did. UCF really kept it inside. But I want to go late in the game, DMAC, when Kansas is basically has the ability to win the game. OU comes out there, and they are at least 10 to 15 yards off the ball. Kansas just needs a field goal to win the game. That is it. A field goal wins the game. I believe they started that drive on what, like the 26, maybe 27, somewhere around that? Yeah, we pumped okay, the ball. I, they might start on yeah, the 25. It, they may have. And from the jump, OU came out in a very, very soft coverage, trying to keep things – the kind of thing that, that you usually play if you have a touchdown lead, right? That you're trying to just keep – all they have to do is keep them out of the end zone. You've got to be aggressive when you when you are playing in that situation. Talk about your perspective on on that call or or that philosophy in that situation. I said in our admin chat that we're gonna lose if we play this coverage. The very first play, our backers are at like eight and they're bailing. We've got three guys, uh we're in a 30 front. Um, we may have been in the 40 front on first down, but I said if we play this uh with this uh formation. We're going to lose because the one thing we know about Bean is if he has any type of adversity, he's going to be uh, rattled. If he doesn't have adversity, he's a D1 guy and he can actually he made some quality throws also mixed in there. The other thing that really irks my soul, this irks my soul. <sighs> I get it. He, he's a track guy, but he's not fluidly quick. He beat us around the edge and, and beat everybody to the pylon. No question. I think he's a 10-300 guys, 10-3, whatever he is. There wasn't one play in the game where he scrambled on a pass play and, and got a huge game. That was a that was a run. That was a zone read. That was a textbook zone read play where you either hand it off, and if you don't, you haul ass. It wasn't like a Lamar Jackson or even like a Plumlee last week where there were pass plays where he stepped up in the pocket, got some wiggle, and and beat us. There's no reason we shouldn't have been putting five guys in his face to make the clock in his mind move fast. If there's one critique, I have a coach, and I love coach. I think coach doing a phenomenal job with our program, but they played scared that last possession. That was an actual front that we hadn't seen all game, and not one time the entire game did we get beat deep. Uh, not one time the entire game did he scramble for a huge play on a pass play. We were only up one point. We need to put pressure on them and make them uncomfortable to line up pre-snap 
backers eight yards off the line of scrimmage gave him comfort because not one time the entire day did our D line just beat a man where he says, oh, shit, I better not go this way because this DN might win or I better not step up because the three tech is pushing right into my face. It hadn't happened. So when he lines up the last possession of the game and he sees backers at eight to ten. Oh, he's like, perfect. I get to sit in the pocket and read the defense and scale the coverage and find the window. I, I it, it it irked my soul to see that. To me, that's your characteristic. And I just got to be honest. Right. I'm in I'm in a by the way, I'm in an alumni uh, Facebook group and guys are like, what are your thoughts? I said, I don't want to post my thoughts tonight because I might piss some people off. And, and yeah, I might get in trouble. I posted on Twitter. Like, I'm not going to say too much tonight because it might piss, piss, piss some people off. But I, if you, if you ha- asked Coach Coach V behind closed doors, he'd say that's piss poor. If you ask Coach V behind closed doors, he'd say that's not his mentality. That's not the way he believes the game should be played. And there's some reasons behind that. I, I, I could rationalize some of the reasons why that is the case. One of them being you don't trust your backers. Right. You got a puppy and 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 a guy who's started all year. He shouldn't be a puppy anymore. His second full season, but can't explain like a puppy. So he knows if those guys give something up over the middle, right, could potentially be a big play. But that's a that's a that's a coaching issue that they should have addressed earlier in the year. That's a coaching issue that to me, that's not good enough reason to say, hey, this kid hasn't shown at any point in the game when he's uncomfortable, that he can make a good throw. He hasn't shown it once. Let's give him a clean pocket and and let's play prevent, which we all know is a prevent to win the game defense. Um, if If you made me, if you asked me, that's the one piss poor thing I'd say. Aside from Kanek should have sat his ass on the bench the rest of the game. Sooner to sooner, if somebody made us speak to each other, I'd say, hey, bro, the film don't lie. I want you to be successful, but like you're not playing the position sound. You're not sound in your job responsibility. You're not. Too many plays. I see you 10 yards down the field getting blocked. Too many plays. Uh, you're not making the play when it needs to happen. And here's what I know. When I played for OU, by the way, you guys can pull my film. I didn't play great at every game, but guess what happened when I didn't play great? I sat my ass on the bench. So I understand that concept and and I'm okay with saying, hey, dude, put the guy in. That's going to help us win the game. And I want to touch on that at the end of the show today. I want to ask kind of where coaches end up making that final decision for who plays, how much. We end up all looking at the PFF stats at the end of the game. Everybody wants to know snap counts. I'm going to put a pin in that and we'll go back to that later. So... Since you really can't go get brand new personnel, you have what you have, right? And we think that OU has talent, particularly coming up in the next couple years. They're going to have some serious dudes. You got Omasigo, who just needs to get developed. You got Lewis Carter, who looks like the right kind of guy for this type of defense. But the development still has to take place. If DMAC is the coach... Right now on that defensive side of the ball, I think a lot of stuff will get fixed when Gentry and Peyton Bowen come back. Um, you lose Reggie Pearson Jr., where he had an impact on the game. And actually, before I ask you this, thoughts on the goal line thing. Um, I, I posted on Twitter yesterday, when you are at the goal line, I think there needs to be some type of rule that says one yard to go, two yards to go, 
you can't be sliding in there and and, and be safe. That has to be a, a a zone where defenders feel like they can make a play. Because if not, I guarantee you, if it comes to like getting a first down or it comes to trying to get an extra yard, teams and, and coaches will see that and say, "Ooh, I can have my guys slide in on the on the one or the two yard line and maybe pick up a free first down." So curious, your thoughts on that, and, and if that even should be a targeting penalty. Two things. One, let what you're saying, I think, is a direction the game needs to go in because you're right. Like that is an invisible line where you either hit it or you don't. <clears throat> and it's just a bang, bang thing. Right. And in, in the red zone and especially goal line situations, there isn't enough time. That's not a place where you can say, oh, there was ambiguity. So, so let's let's park that. I want to park that, though, Barry. Here's why it didn't apply to this play. Even what you're saying did not apply to this play, right? In the play, the the kid is the kid makes the, the the bonehead mistake. If he just doesn't slide, he scores. But he chose to slide by the letter of the law. As soon as you start to slide, you you're down. Okay, so that part is clear. The refs are coming to mark him short, which I'm surprised they did, but they did. Kudos. The second part is: Are you hitting a defenseless player with forceful contact to the head? Uh, or neck area. First, it's is Reggie Pearson using his head. He's clearly not. He's using the play side shoulder. It's a cross face, right? That's how they used to teach tackling when I played. You want to cross the man's body to stop his momentum. Now they teach stay play side, but you kind of can get run over. Reggie's doing it the way that I used to do it back in the day, which is go across his body. But Reggie's doing it. His head is out. His shoulder is in. He doesn't hit the neck. He doesn't hit the face. He hits the top of his sternum, and the the commentators say it. Even the 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 ex ref expert that they generally use in the game says it. It's a bang bang play. But Reggie's shoulder hits him in the sternum, and then after that, his helmet touches the side of the kid's helmet. Um, I'm not an excuse guy. I'm not. I'm not an excuse guy. I don't like it. I don't like it in business. I don't like when my children do it. I try not to do that in any scenario I do in life. I definitely don't like it in sports, but there's something to us leaving the conference and what that means this year with the conference. When the when the when the commissioner comes out and says what he has said very blatantly, when he chooses not to come to the OU Texas game and goes other places, right? When 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 you know, obviously the public perception about us year in, year out, every year, but even now more so as we transition out, um, you see some of the things that happened yesterday. Guys, there's blatant holds or our guy's jerseys being pulled from a guy who he's beaten. You can see the jersey pull, no call. Okay, football, right? The guy steps out of bounds. He, the ball's tipped, but he's still out of bounds. The, comp, the the expert says, hey, he has to reestablish himself in the, in the playing field. He did not reestablish himself. All right, they call that a catch. There, there's a lot of things where you you and, and somebody's gonna somebody's gonna take this and and complain. Hey, I ain't tripping. I'm just I'm calling it how I see it. When when that stuff happens early in the game, you just gotta know. Okay, bet we gotta beat their ass and we gotta beat the rest. Check it happens. OU versus A and M two thousand. 
That's exactly how we felt. We had to call a timeout and and call a team huddle or offensive huddle and say, hey, the refs ain't going to let us do nothing. They're going to let them do everything. Excuse my French, but fuck that. We're not going to let that stop us. Let's go win this damn game. That's literally what we had to do because it was just one of those games. We're in Kyle Field, uh, right? We, we've gone through the heart of a schedule where we're supposed to lose to K-State. We're supposed to lose to Texas. We're supposed to lose to Nebraska. We beat them. Now A&M is kind of standing in our way. Um so I, I like the resiliency we played with. And in that play, it's just a play where you leave it in the hands of the refs. Here's, here's what no one can argue. It was left in the hands of the referees. And in that situation, the expert who has the same video feed that the referees see made a recommendation, which he said, I don't think that's a penalty. And then I think they even, oh no, they confirmed the sideline catch that they confirmed it they didn't say it stands they confirmed a play where the expert said no i don't believe that's a catch and so you've got to understand okay i got it you've got to play with a chip on your shoulder and say we're, we're not only are we against the 11 guys and their coaching staff and their home crowd and, and and the environment we've got to say we can't let the rest beat us too i don't think we can use that excuse as to why we lost though and we'll talk about why we lost at the end but a spade is a spade and I'm going to call it how I see it. Call me tinfoil, excuses, conspiracies, whatever. We lost the game because of us, but those things didn't help us. Okay, so so let's fix the defense. Let, let, let's go in. Let's uh, uh, Barry and Damian are our co-DCs here for the <laughs> Oklahoma Sooners. We are <laughs> not that we're necessarily qualified. Uh, sure, there's a lot more qualified out there than us, but... For kicks and giggles, man, let's talk about the changes that would be made. Um, I'll, go, I'll I'll kick it off. Yeah, go I ahead. Think, I think what you have seen um, at the linebacker position with Kanick is enough to say that, that there probably needs to be a change there. Be, if just for the schematic piece of it, teams at this point now are going to pick on that. They've seen it on film. You at the very least have to make some type of adjustment to that or you are going to get beat. Because you know what OSU is doing with Ollie Gordon? They're looking at that same film that you now have for, for UCF, you have for the Kansas game. And they're saying, we can do a lot of that stuff. we got an O-line that's athletic enough to move. We can get up to that second level. We can make him decide. We can put him in a bind. We have receivers that are good enough to to at least stretch the field on those intermediate routes. And then now you probably end up in a similar game. So so I say that with Kanick, and I'll let you kind of talk about the personnel piece because I have a feeling about where you're going. Um, with Kanick, I think a decision has to be made there. Defensively, particularly on the, the defensive line side, late in the game, you've got to figure out a way to... I, I don't know if it's bring extra pressure. I don't know if it is. I, I don't remember the personnel that was out there. I want to say PJ was out there. But but if Bothroyd is your guy you're trying to get home, if Downs is your guy, and he Downs has played great, and he had the interception that should have sealed the game. But you have got to find a way. If you're just going to bring four, you need to figure out a combination of four that will get home and bring pressure in the secondary. I think... I, Woody got a lot of heat, but I think situationally he played well enough uh, that they had a few things where he was kind of caught in a bind where, where, where he just didn't close the airspace on a guy. But I think Gentry getting back 
probably makes a difference there. Uh, so, th- so that would be kind of my general thought. Uh, but what are what are your thoughts on what they need to do? You've got how many games left? What four with the Big Twelve Championship game, right? What do they need to do so that this is just a one loss season? If this is my defense, and I always defer to Coach V because I know he knows his stuff. But if this is my defense, there's a couple of things. I'm gonna start at the front four. I don't I don't have an issue with the front four. If you if you're asking me who my starters are, I'm, play, I'm taking Bothroyd at the strong side. I think Downs is probably his backup, his best backup as the and they can just be one A, one B. Both are playing solid football. They both bring a lot to the table. But we need pressure. And we can't consistently get pressure. So I'm giving R. Mason Thomas, who I notice is much more healthy now, the weak side shot, and I'm letting PJ play behind him. I'm talking about early downs. By the way, twofold. Number one, we need to get pressure, but they both need to be ready for next year. So they need reps. They need game reps. I think the first four or five we have at tackle, we keep as is. You got Cole and Kelly. You got you got Terry and Lilau and, uh, you know, um, you know, Sears and Halton getting some play as needed. I, I think we're okay there. But when it comes to third down, it comes to third down. I'm, I'm taking um, – I'm taking my best four. I'm probably, listen, people might be like, this is crazy. I saw us do it. We called in NASCAR. I might take Bothroyd or Downs and move them to the three. Let me tell you why. None of our guys are getting a ton of pressure on passing downs. Terry's had a couple of games where he's, you know, he's kind of driven his guy and closed up the pocket, but we're not getting consistent pressure. I'm taking those strong side DNs. I'm putting them in, 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 a, in a two eye or a three technique. And I and I'm put, I'm isoing those guards. The center is going to help one, but those guards got to play. One of them's playing one v one. I'm putting PJ on one side. I'm putting Desai McCullough on the other side. Stand up as Ooh. a stand on the weak side. I'm t- I'm putting Desai McCullough. He is the best player we have coming off the edge or playing in space off the edge in the flats. He's by far the best. And when you run to his side, he's shutting shit down. It is something that we've seen him do consistently since week one that you just don't consistently see other guys do. Imagine what a quarterback has to do when they see him standing up and he's on, and he might be on the right tackle. I might put him on the right tackle, right? And then you've got PJ. PJ has to learn something this year that he can hang his hat on. All right. So I'm taking Desan. I'm putting Desan as a, as a DN and I'm taking PJ. And of course, RMT can rotate. Downs can rotate. Right. Th- there's, there's guys who you can roll in there. Uh, but those guys on pass downs, I'm telling the quarterback, I ain't giving you all day, bro. Pre snap, even if it doesn't work, I want them to see a sub package. Does that make sense? Seeing a yeah. sub package tells them, oh, there's some scheme. They might be doing some twists, this, that and the other. I saw them do it with DC, with Dusty, with Tommy. I saw them do it. Jimmy Wilkerson, I saw Coach V create these packages and they raised havoc. I saw them do it. Okay. Uh, Kanek's on the bench. I don't want to belabor that. Kanek needs to sit on the bench and learn. Okay. Uh, on, On early downs, assuming Stutz is healthy. If Stutz is healthy, right? Um, I think we need to go with Kip at the mic. I'm putting I'm putting Stutz at the wheel, best player, and he needs to be uncovered more and just go chase the football. Um, and here's and here's a here's one that most people uh, may not have thought about, but just kind of bear with me. I'm using three years worth of film now, and um, 
Key Lawrence is a guy who's polarizing because he makes big plays and he gives up big plays. He's a guy who's polarizing because he makes strong fits and then he whiffs on some plays. I think I'm, I think Key Lawrence is our cheetah. With Harrington out, I have Key Lawrence playing close to the line of scrimmage. Here's one thing no one can knock on Key Lawrence. He does have a football IQ. Yeah. 100%. The guy knows how to take away angles as a defensive player. Key Lawrence is my cheetah. And then we don't have to go Desan is in sometimes. Dolby's out sometimes. By the way, Dolby got his ass kicked Saturday, right? He, he was a guy who they picked on quite a bit as well. But Key Lawrence, because we need more linchpins. We need more guys who it's easy to say, oh, they put Dolby in because they're expecting pass. Oh, Desan is in. That means they want him to play closer to the line of scrimmage going forward. We need guys who can be two-way guys. And to me, it just makes too much sense for Key Lawrence to be one of those guys. If Key Lawrence was killing it over the top and nobody was making plays and you couldn't get into that 12 to 18 yard window because he was an enforcer in that space, I'd say, nope, we need him as a high safety. But he's not especially great in that capacity consistently. He'll make a great play. A la the interception. Uh, I don't remember who that was against, uh, but he has a great interception against Cincinnati, I believe, who is is who it is. Right. Uh, And then, boom, there's Iowa State where he's chasing picks and we give up a a seven yard slant that goes 70 yards to the house. I think Key Lawrence. Okay, so now I'll go back two years. Key Lawrence had to play in that hole position. It's Grinch's defense. It's Grinch's defense. But he has to play in that hole, that nickel position. He was dominant. I think it's Texas Tech at home. Uh, The game Caleb plays really well in. Uh, Key Lawrence is playing nickel that game and he's all over the field. He's all over the field. Yeah. So so this is just Mackey's un like you said, I, I probably don't have the credentials, but I'm just saying the way I see the game. Okay. So we've got we've got Kip, we've got we've got uh Stutz, and we've got Key Lawrence. All right. I believe Desan should be rotating with um with Kip. I'd like to see Desan be in a backer position where he can read A gap to A gap or C gap to C gap, chase ball cover the curl, buzz the flat if he's on the three receiver side and just he's natural. Now, if he's got to go past 10 yards, we in trouble. Yeah. Um, but being in early downs where he can help out in that rotation and then on third down, he's coming off that edge. To me, that's an advantage to the defense. We've got enough uh, satisfactory guys. And, and to me, Billy's a satisfactory guy. I'm not. I, he's not a dude. He, he has consistently shown to me he's not a dude. Like, he's a guy that you can go play winning football with, and he'll make plays, but he also misses plays. But Key Lawrence coming down into that, that cheetah position, I think, solidifies that space. He's kind of like a backer. He's he's athletic enough to cover. He's a guy who you could depend on to carry, right? Um, now you've got Billy. Now you've got Reggie. And you've got the puppy, Peyton Bowen. Those three guys can really man two positions. And maybe, you know, people always say Reggie's bad in the pass game. Show me the film. Yeah, where? Show me the film. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he's not as fast as Billy or maybe not as explosive as, as Peyton. But, like, show me the film. I've got plenty of film that says B- Billy makes mistakes. Sometimes they're, they're, they're uh, alignment issues. Sometimes they're post-snap where he, he's in the wrong window. And I'm not trying to crap on Billy because Billy is Billy's our our, 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 our our cornerstone safety. He really is. He's our he's our, I don't want to say best high safety, but he's our most experienced high safety. But Billy's not an all conference entrenched. Nobody can take your spot, dude. He might have 
earn that in the off season. But the film this season doesn't suggest that Billy's just an, uh, a day two guy in the NFL. He's not a second round draft pick. He's not. And it's okay. He's got another year. But like, you know what I'm saying? To act as if there's like, oh, we got to, we got to no. Billy should be every Tuesday, Wednesday practice competing with, with, with Peyton and competing with Reggie for who's getting those snaps. And then, by the way, you've got to let uh, Jennings get some run. Kid comes in. He, we haven't seen him bust once. He's quality yeah, depth that could play. be in there. Right. You put him in those positions to, to help with the safety. Now, Key Lawrence can say, hey, dude, you are the cheetah. Right. And I think that really solidifies things. Um, Kanai Walker has it. I know he feels terrible. That fourth down play is a play that he gives up. But he also made great plays for us earlier in the game. He's the one on that third down play where they're trying to throw the same play. Actually, well, I think it's a curl that time. But he 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 that's the definition of looking up a guy. He's playing. Yeah, 100 percent. Right there, he he's playing zone. The guy runs by him. He looks him up. He turns and runs with him almost like a man. But he's in his hip pocket. He does not pass interference. He gets the hand on the ball, and you're like, "Ooh, they're gonna throw the flag." But when they showed the replay, they can't throw the flag because he literally yeah. never touched him. So I think you know, with your third corner, if that's your third corner, I can live with that. I can even live with the fourth down play because guess what? If Coach BV rushes five, that quarterback never has the time. To see that's a 12 to 14 yard end cut. That takes 3.2 seconds. You know, that's not a one and a half second play. He doesn't have time to get to that that throw if we simply bring pressure. But I, I say, you know, can I because Gentry's hurt? Obviously, Gentry's our alpha. Uh I think, I think, I think um I think Woody played well. He gave up a little bit. No one's perfect. And, and to me, Woody's probably been the most consistent in the secondary all year, considering that Peyton's been hurt some and Gentry's been in and out and some, right? Gentry, it's either, it's either, it's either Woody or Gentry for sure. Um, but Woody's played well. I think Woody hasn't done anything to hurt his stock, to hurt his opportunities of being an, you know, an all conference caliber. He's probably hasn't made enough big plays, but uh, yeah. So give me, give me, uh, give me Dayson coming off the weak edge. Give me that strong side ends playing tackle on third and, Third and third and long, third and medium. Uh, Canick on the bench with me. Um, give me Kip and Dayson at the backer spot, rotating in and out. Give me Stunts at the wheel, killing the game. Give me Key Lawrence in the hole. I really believe that's a spot where Key could really use some of his attributes and have someone behind him when he makes a mistake. Uh, give me, give me Peyton. Give me Pearson and give me Billy on the backside. By the way, I felt like I kind of shitted on Billy. Billy, I think you're a great player. You're just not as good as some people make you out to be yet. I think you can get there. Jennings can help create uh, more depth. And then we've got three to play two at the corner position with Woody, Kanai, and Gentry. That's my defense, if you ask me. Uh, critique the hell out of it. But I, I feel like I can justify a lot of my thoughts. And, and DMAC, I think here's the most frustrating part. That defensive performance against Kansas, who was a top 10 offense in college football, should have been enough to win the game. And that's what brings us to our next segment. We are going to, to get after it with, with evaluating the offense, talking about what we saw out there the, that they were doing. And, and I want to start it with this. Last night, I posted a, a chart. So let, let's kind of throw away... A whole lot of criticism of DG that that was 
early in the season. You know, we actually talked about it today. He went and did it against Texas. So so you you have to say that DG has the ability to play well in these types of games. And at the end of the game, even hamstrung, they still had a chance to win it, right? They still were in a position to win the football game with a touchdown. But I want to give you the uh, the pass play chart, DMAC, and I want you to tell me your first thoughts. So this is every pass play prior to the weather delay, all right? 10-yard pass, left hash, it's the miss to Stogner. That's their opening play. Uh, Five-yard right hash to Farouk. That is the pick six. Uh, Next two, behind the line of scrimmage, behind line of scrimmage. Next one, 13 yards. That was the P.I. on Anderson, right? Then you had uh, pass. It's uh, behind the line of scrimmage to Freeman. Then you had the sack spike on the fourth down. That play was kind of kind of doomed from the jump. Then behind line of scrimmage, behind line of scrimmage, three yard play. Uh, that was a pass to Stogner. That was that that one actually went for the first down in the red zone. And then behind line of scrimmage. Weather delay, they come back. And I believe for the rest of the game, he only throws like seven or eight more passes with only one being further than 20 yards down the field. Not one pass, DMAC, goes down the left sideline further than tw- which is DG's best area of the field for completing balls. Right. Well, we've talked about and kind of critiqued him when it comes to some of the intermediate stuff, some of those like kind of deeper, like like dig routes and some of the, the the deep outs. But when it comes to vertical passes down the sideline, particularly that left sideline, he has been phenomenal his whole career, incredibly accurate this season. They had two touchdowns on that uh, just to Anderson in the previous game. The weather obviously wasn't a factor to Kansas. Jason Bean, he didn't have a bunch of throws, but but they let him air it out. They made the safeties have to respect it, and it helped with the run game. So you hear those plays. You, you obviously at this point saw Chuck was your starting running back. Walker came in during that time. I want to say like midway through the first, maybe towards the end of the first, and then he played a lot of the second quarter when they finally got a little thing going. What are your first initial thoughts when hearing how restrictive the play calling was in getting down the field? Barry, I don't know what the hell we're doing. On the offensive side of the ball, I have no clue what we're doing, what our plan is, what we're building on, what we're trying to attack, what weaknesses we're trying to cover up. I don't know nothing. And 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 I can watch 10 schemes that aren't mine and say, oh, this is the quarterback that, you know, this guy uh, struggles in intermediate routes. So they throw screens, they throw quick game and they throw deep. Oh, this guy can't throw deep. So if they're going to throw a fade, it's a now fade or it's a slot fade. Like the game is, is, is the game doesn't change. Right. I have no clue what the hell we're doing. Are we a jet sweep team that's trying to get people running one way so we can go across the, you know, beat them, you know, going the other way? Well, we never do. Are, 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 are we, uh, I don't know, like, are we supposed to be a pre line, a pre snap alignment team where we read the box, how many guys are inside versus how many guys are outside, and we're going to attack where they're not? I, the only time I see that is when we want to run that two by two or three by one quick screen. 
and and teams have adjusted to it. Uh, they're they're both attacking outside and forcing us to cut back inside, and and help is coming. The backers, st- you know, um, cheating out a couple steps and and closing that window early. Still a decent play for us, but in terms of like what is our identity, I have no freaking clue. I cannot tell you. I can't even tell you who is the back they they trust. Um, Sachuk comes in. So so here's the thing. I, I just don't get it. Shock Chuck comes in. He might have a couple of decent runs, four, five, six yards, whatever the case may be. Then they run this whole delayed zone read thing and don't block the backside in, which is not his fault. And he gets tackled in the backfield and then they don't give him the ball for like three possessions. And then they put in another back and they're doing inside zone up the B gap quick a quick play where they're blocking on the play side guys and that guy gets some stuff, but it's like, dang, if Sawchuck is in on that play, he might split it like he did against UCF. He might, right? Mm -hmm. And takes nothing away from Tawi because I'm about to get on him next. But to me, I don't understand the rationalization. Listen, I'm a Sooner. I love my program, but clearly they don't like the kid. There's an issue they have with Sawchuck. I believe there's an issue because they don't, put him in the best he doesn't get the same type of plays the other guys get i i don't know why that is you know what i'm saying but i'm just telling you how i see it now tawi tawi is is he is he a nil guy a walk-on guy what's his story he's a walk-on he or is he a, a nil? walk-on from oh my gosh where was he from he um a mecca Egbuka was or not Egbuka, a mecca megwa was from washington yeah yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. remember where was doesn't like matter Indiana? yeah doesn't yeah, matter he here's the point Here's the point. He's our best running back. And all year, people keep saying, if he's the best we got, guys, if he was on Wisconsin or Iowa during some of the years they win eight, nine, ten games and play for Rose Bowls, nobody would be saying that. The kid's a great ball player. In fact, today, he's probably the guy who could potentially have the longest NFL career uh, because he can break tackles. Period. So I hear all these people talking about like, oh, Ty, we, we, if, if he's the best we have, to, sometimes your best guy is is a is a bruiser. There's nothing wrong with that guy. Consistently this year, he's a guy who makes plays and breaks tackles in spaces that the other guys don't. If we don't want to give Sachuk enough carries to see if he can crease one, then we got to be satisfied with Tawi running through running through traffic, you know what I'm saying, getting out of the mud and punishing teams. He did it for three quarters. Um, and for me, it's too simple to just say, hey, Sachuk and Tawi, you guys are going to get the line share of the carries. Barnes, he, he, you know, I, I don't even, again, do we even want to talk about that? Like, where the hell did that come from? Kid doesn't play for four weeks. And then in the key moments of the game, Sachuk just yeah. got you a touchdown. Sachuk just got you a touchdown. And then you just put Barnes in. So then I hear that earlier in the season, when we were playing against SMU, that Sachuk was ready to go. They didn't want to put him in because they didn't want his first game to be for all the marbles and he could, tip- could potentially fumble. Well, to me, that rationale, I didn't necessarily agree with, but I get it. But then why would you then put Barnes in the same situation if he hasn't played in weeks and you're at a one-score game you're trying to come back? What if he fumbles? Kid hasn't played in forever, right? And so I don't understand what we're doing offensively. I, I'm trying not to 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 get too excited about Lebby and what the heck, you know, like what I don't know what his game plan is. Don't get me started on his 15 play script. You got a 15 play script and on second down, it puts you in a position. You, you get seven yards on first down. You have a terrible throw 
And on second down, you get seven or eight yards. Whatever your script is for one play, you deviate to pick up the first down and then you go back to your then script. You, you don't run back some, on script. <laughs> you don't run some just because you arbitrarily picked that one yeah. third. You don't run that play on third down, sir. You get the first and then go back on script, especially if we got eight yards on second and especially if our quarterback threw a ball like where the hell did he throw that ball on first down? So obviously we'll, we'll, you know, I'm going to pass it back to you getting to that stuff, but I'm looking at our offense, Barry, and I feel like I was not a big DG guy. And all day yesterday, I saw people talking about Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. I actually have zero issues with Dylan. Dylan is caught running the plays. They want him to run. I'll say this. How do you tell a quarterback you don't trust him without telling you you don't trust him? Watch OU versus KU. <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> like, like, if I'm Dylan, I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, this Beam guy has a track record of always doing some doofus stuff, throwing the ball to the other team, making some crazy plays, yet his coach gives him the opportunity to go win the game. I'm supposed to be a Heisman candidate. I'm supposed to be one of the people with the best odds to be in New York. They're not going to give me the opportunity to throw the football. If I'm Dylan Gabriel, I'm kind of having that that conversation with myself today because it wasn't as if he was just terrible. He threw some great balls. He he, he, yeah. he, he threw some good balls when it mattered. Um, and I don't know. I feel like his position coach, I feel like his coordinator, I feel like the game design let him down. Does he have limitations? Yes. It's why yeah. I was a fan of, of of Jackson Arnold. I don't want to hear nobody talking about no Jackson Arnold now. We rocking with Dylan, and Dylan was not the reason we lost, and he was a catalyst for a reason we could have won. Dylan did some great things. He ran the ball well. Uh, he made some throws to get us in position to win the game. He's he's a he's a, a you know he's a B minus quarterback. We settled with him. We won with him. I'm rocking with him. Made no sense. I made a post over there on on, on the X uh, about that. I said it is obvious in this game that Levy, for whatever reason, does not trust Dylan. Right? It, does Dylan have small hands so cold weather impacts him? I went. I kind of checked the photos. He's about the same as Baker. Him and Baker probably pretty similar hand size, pretty similar height. Uh, so it, it remains to that. That's probably not the issue, right? Is I mean, he is from Hawaii, so maybe. I don't know, maybe it gets cold, he tightens up a little bit. But the the issue was you didn't even give him a shot. He had no opportunity to make the throws. And you go you go back and you watch an old miss offense. You go back, you watch a, a Baylor offense circa 2013, 2014. It is it is screen, screen, jet sweep, deep ball, screen, inside zone, inside zone, deep ball. Right, that is how you run that offense. At this point, the OU is paying two million dollars for an offense that they're not getting. They're getting some version of of a Gus Malzahn, right? Kind of kind of forward lateral triple option Air Force kind of offense that they're not <laughs> getting. <laughs> they're not getting. <laughs> Joe Castiglione Jr. tweeted out, <laughs> you know the 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 boxes in the old Madden or NCAA football games, right? Oh uh, yeah. He, he just Joe Castiglione Jr. tweeted out next play and then showed the jet sweep. <laughs> I thought that was great, <laughs> but but it doesn't make sense. Uh, they have a personnel grouping 
with with Stogner and Anderson. So mm-hmm. the the play against Texas, you talked about it a bunch. You had you can either have Stog on the line and Anderson off the line, or Anderson on the line and Stog off the line. Right? I think I said that right. But yep. they've done that with, and if you put a guy, say you split like a Brennan Thompson out wide, and that that formation got them the first down in the red zone uh, on the pass to Stog because you're forcing those guys to have to pick, am I going to have a mismatch with a super tall tight end who can catch the ball, or are we going to let Anderson get outside us and score at the pylon? So, But they have that, and then they don't run it. To me, DMAC, and tell me if I'm wrong, it, it would make so much sense to have that grouping, and then from that, now you run some of those run plays that also look like the pass plays. Now you have um, you run concepts that look like something. And against Texas, he did it, right? Did, did he go into Kansas saying, you know, the fans have been critiquing me running the ball, so maybe I got to go out there and try to run the ball? But then you start off with two out of three passes. Made no sense. I think another aspect to this is personnel. You have Brennan Thompson come in and make arguably what could have been the biggest play of the game and was the biggest play of the game offensively on the on the deep pass that Dylan threw up there that he comes down with. If he's healthy and he's ready to go, why is he not out there on the field? Why is he not contributing? And then to belabor that a little bit more, between Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, and Jalil Farouk, you had four targets or four four receptions, six targets for those three players. It's almost as if you're not knowing what your personnel is, right? So you can say, is it strategy, scheme? Is it personnel? It all kind of goes together. If you have an idea of what your personnel is, that helps you build your strategy for how you're going to attack the opponent. And and at the end of the day, it does not feel like there's a cohesive thought process going there. I want to move on a little bit, though, and talk about the end of the game uh, before we get out of here and kind of wrap things up. OU does have the chance to win at DMAC. I believe the interception from Downs takes place. I want to say there's like 214 left on the play. 229. On the game. 229. 229. Okay, 229 left on the game clock. Ethan Downs, huge play. Right, that's what the defense in those games needs to do. You you balance the turnover margin early on. You had the pick six. OU balances the turnovers with a Bowman pick and an Ethan Downs pick. Now you have two twenty nine. I believe KU has two timeouts left. You get one first down and the game is over. Break down what the Sooners did in that situation. You want the you want the short version or the long version? Let's do let's do the short version first, and then then kind of dive, dive into the weeds a little bit. They're both the same, so I'll do the long version for you. We go okay. on a shell. We go on a shell. The end. Are you f- freaking kidding me? I'm not gonna cuss. Are you kidding me? So so you brought up some things. You brought up something that I was gonna bring up in this very specific scenario. We get the ball. Ethan Downs makes a hell of a play. By the way, shout out defense, shout out BV, shout out all those guys, everybody in there, Canic too, all those guys, right? They get the play. Okay. Let's go back to the first quarter. In the first quarter, we line up in 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, 
and and we pretty consistently run the ball. Tawi comes in and we start to we start to bring a sniffer. So we're in kind of two tight end personnel and one back twelve. And we are having six success. And then they counter by putting everybody eight yards in the box, right? We get the ball back. Go watch it, ladies and gentlemen. It, it when I watch it, it makes my skin crawl. First down, we're in two tight end tight. Everybody, everybody from Pee Wee football to it shouldn't even it shouldn't even be junior high. Pee Wee's probably only place where this should happen. Everybody knows we're just gonna run something something inside. So I say, okay, what are they doing? Maybe they're gonna do action off of it, right? We're gonna we're gonna beat them with tight ends. We're gonna run away from coverage. I, I I'm like, okay. First down is the. By the way, first down is the best down to throw the ball. They are ears pinned to stop the run, to, to, to use their timeouts, to get the ball back. It is the absolute positive best time to throw the ball. We don't throw the ball. I'm pissed. We get a yard or a half yard. Okay, we're doing that because we want to use timeouts, but we've got two more yard, two more downs to get 10. And really, if we get close, we may have three downs to get 10 because we're in plus territory. We're on the 37-yard line going in. And it's like, uh, do you want to punt? Right. You don't want to punt and potentially just give him 15 yards. We might go for it and do four down territory. Got it. I'm like, OK, I can buy that. We line up in it again. Second down. So so my heart's starting to like, oh, no. Oh, no. We're just going to settle for making the defense stop them again. Right. So this is what I'm saying to myself. So we line up. But, but that's not the worst of it, Barry. We line up in double tight again. We do some stupid quarterback draw thing, whatever the hell we do. I don't know. It, it's so it's just atrocious to know that every 11 guys can just pin their ears back and and come stop. The, they stop us. Come and stop us. And they stop us. Do you know what we do on third down? I forget what the third. Down we line up was. in 11 personnel. We line up in 11 personnel. We line up like we do the very first possession of the game. Do you know what happens on third down? They bring a pressure. We we gain four and a half five yards. It Ooh. is the most ignorant thing I have ever seen an offensive coordinator do, bro. Why didn't you just run that play on first down? At least if we line up in eleven mm. with a spread formation, they have to respect and get wider. They don't just have eleven guys from hash mark to hash mark, and we're probably gonna get three or four yards per play. Like all oh, like. <clears throat> I'll probably be crucified for saying this, but tell me you're a pussy without telling me you're a pussy. Ooh. Like you're just like you or, or, or tell me your head coach doesn't trust you without telling me your head coach doesn't trust you. Hey bro, I don't know if you're going to give this thing away. So we can't even chance it. I'm going to put it on my defense again. It's one of the two. And, 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 and I, I don't know how to respond any different. You can't in, in that situation, as an offensive coordinator, and here's what I know. BV is a defensive guy. When you're a defensive guy, Bob Stoops was a defensive guy. So you know what Bob Stoops did? He went and got an offensive guy so that the offensive guy could 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 call the offense and he didn't have to interfere. Right? That's what Bob did. So BV is a defensive guy. So BV said, hey, dude, we're paying you seven figures because this is your gig. Like, this is your job. I don't want to be responsible for this. I'm already coaching backers. I'm already calling a defense as a D as a, as a head coach. I'm already the DC. I can't also be the OC go OCS to victory. And on first and second down, you basically are giving a knee. And then on third down, all you have to do is be adequate. If you had just adequately run, 
the same play that you ran on third down on first down, you're in second and six. That's a lot better situation than second and 10, second and nine and a half. And, and, and our players are losing confidence. You can see it on, on the film. You're just like, oh man, we're so excited. We get the turnover right there on their heels and we line up in double tight. The commentators are even like, look, they're all at seven yards. This would be the great time. Everybody in America knows maybe you don't throw the ball. But you don't line up in double tight and put a nine of the 11 guys. I think we've got receivers on the edge, but nine of the 11 are in se- every gap is covered. There's seven gaps in, in football. They've got nine to play seven gaps. So um, listen, uh, Levy's had some solid games. It's an F. That is absolutely an F. That's not yeah. good enough for OU. That's not good enough to say justify a million dollars. And And my opinion is my opinion. And I stand by that. We should have and could have won that game. He put us in a deficit when we had the momentum and made our defense have to come up with another possession and didn't put any pressure on their defense. There was no pressure on them. Can you imagine if we were in the same scenario? How much pressure did our defense have after they after we punted? The entire time, right? We didn't do ourselves no favor. We talked about it. I think that's a shitty philosophy by BV. I think he shouldn't have gone into the pre-snap. I think he should have shown pressure. I think he should have lined all his guys at the line of scrimmage and let Beam see that and see how he reacts. But that's not why we lost. Our offensive coordinator was horrendous. That's bad. You you brought up personnel. I don't know why Barnes just comes in. I know Tawi got hurt. Sachuk just scored you a touchdown. Sachuk's carried the ball 10 times. You don't put a guy who's been on the sideline for four weeks in that type of moment. Thank God he played well. He played well. Salute to Barnes. But you, like as an OC, I don't understand it. You brought up receivers. We didn't throw the ball to our 6'4 dude who has eight touchdowns once for the fade in this offense. Or Gibson once, who's been our Gorilla Nuts player of the week, I think two or three times because he's made yep. 1v1 special plays. You don't do it once? Dude, I can't. I'm, yeah. Hold on, let me say this and I'm going to pass it back. Go, go ahead, go ahead. Sooner Nation is a fraternity. Sooner Alumni is a fraternity. But damn it, we got to call shit shit. We cannot get pissed on and say it's, it's raining. Nah, that's piss poor. It's piss poor. And and it's the difference between winning and losing. It's the difference between conference championships and not conference championships. It's the difference between playoffs and not college playoffs. And 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 Levy's a sooner. He's alumni. He's back home. Respect for the guy. You coach like shit, bro. Like for real. You 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 didn't do your job. And hopefully, you know what I'm saying? You're taking this on the chin and you're gonna improve because a sooner nation, we expect you to. Man, yeah, it's it's frustrating because you you see a situation like with Gibson where I, I want to say Gibson hardly even saw the field uh, up until maybe later in the game because he had that false start that uh that where where he just kind of jumped a little too early, right? But you had a lot of guys in that game make a ton of Nick mistakes. did it too. Not everybody. Nick did the same thing. Nick did the yeah, same thing on every- the fourth and one we're going for, and then we have to punt because Nick does it later in the game. And it, it stinks. But you don't sacrifice the the good of the team to take them out of play, take them out the rest of the series. You've got to get that guy back in the game. The fact that Jaden Gibson against we got to remember here. This is the perspective. You're going against a team that has a fan. Their offense is really good. 
right? And even then, Texas still, I think, held him to 14 uh, with being at quarterback. Granted, it was in Austin, but still. You have a team who is horrific defensively. They're not good at all. Ollie Gordon and Oklahoma State ran all over this team. And at one point, I think they lost their best D tackle for a large percentage of the game. They did. And you still don't fire um, fire things out there that are going to put pressure on that. You don't put their safeties in a bind. Their, their safeties were, were cheating up all game, right? That their, their first step was just very rarely did you see them bail at the snap and try and get in coverage. It was a little hop step, and then they're moving forward. Every single play. You have at some point, you OU has to decide where they want to go with this offensively. Is the plan just get through this year and then things open with Jackson Arnold next season? I, I Maybe I would have thought that beforehand, but you watch DG late in the game and when they finally had the pressure on and made him have to throw it, he threw it just fine. So... Hard to really understand or, or kind of put a, a pin into what the actual issue is, but but some responsibility at that point has to be accepted. So now the question, DMAC, where do they go now? OU only has one loss on a year. I think initially in the season I had them nine and three. I, I do not for the life of me think that I don't think that happens. Mm-hmm. Bedlam looks a little bit scarier now that OSU has things a little bit more tightened up. Gundy has done a fantastic job with that team this season. But give us the uh, – I don't want to necessarily ask you to pump some sunshine, but give Sooner fans the, the silver lining for this season. Is the sky truly falling after that Kansas loss, or, or are things still in front of Oklahoma, or is that just one of those that's going to be real hard to overcome and get out of your system? You let one get away. We let one get away. Uh, we got a ton to play for. I think they showed the statistics, and we still have like the fifth highest likelihood to get into the college football playoff. We've got to win out now. If we don't win out, we may not even make it to the to the conference championship. But yeah. um, I think the silver lining is that you know when you're looking at this from a macro lens and where we expect it to be versus where we are, guys. Most of you expected to win nine or ten games. We're either on track or have surpassed expectations. Most of us have. 100% forgotten how atrocious we were in the hole last year at safety last year at backer last year um, and how much better our quarterback has played this year versus last year. Right. So a lot of things are moving in the right direction. I'm a firm believer that uh, we should not have revisionist theories about our quarterback. He is what he is. He's our guy. I'm rocking with him. You know what I'm saying? We've got to put him in position to win. Our offensive coordinator owes this young man the opportunity to run bootlegs where he can use his uh, use his feet or his mind or his arm owes him an opportunity where he can do some true action. Now, I'm going to say something here that maybe again might be a little off, but they're running one concept like it. So I'm like, why don't we expand on it? We need to run more man on offensive um, lines games. Man blocking concepts. That inside zone they're running, if you watch it, they're not running a true zone. They're running covered, uncovered. It's a peewee concept. If you're covered, you you block down. If you're uncovered, you reach, go to the next level. That's a man concept in blocking. And guess what? It's our most successful play running in the A and B gaps. Well, let's run a few other things off of that. This O-line, I said it last week before we lost, they clearly – 
are more dominant when they know who they're supposed to get and can go move a man versus running into an area and having to move as a unit. They are they just haven't shown consistently that can do that. A good offensive coordinator will put this off. This offensive line could be one. I don't know that they're like all world Joe Moore award good, but they're definitely good enough for us to be doing 200 yards a game, not just against KU. So our offensive coordinator, you owe it to those players to put them in positions to be successful. You owe it to our 6-3, receivers to throw them the ball when they're 1v1. There is not a better scenario in football than yesterday when you're an X or a Z receiver. It's truly on an island. The angle that the safeties are in, they can't cover a post. They can't get there. They can't cover a quick out. They can't cover a fate. They can't, they can't double anything. We truly had true 1v1 coverage and we never even tried. Actually, we tried one time, and guess what happened? It was the biggest play of the game for the offense. We tried one time, and that one time, we had our biggest, our most successful play. So the silver lining is for the fans, I want to say, like from a player's lens. And guys, people mostly say I'm anti-player. I think that our team was the best. and I'm, I'm advocating for the players. I feel like the players played with their hearts. I feel like they made some mistakes and whatever. There's some things, but like the coaches, especially on offense, Owe it to those players to put them in position to be successful. And if they do, I think we can win out. Oklahoma State is the is the sexy pick of the week. Um, salute to them. They are our little brother. It is the most lopsided. It's not even a rivalry. It's an ass whooping in college football. My expectation is next week. I think we got them in Stillwater because we played them last year in, 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 in Norman and tried to give them the game. We tried to give them the game last year. Um, we owe it to ourselves to have a good week of practice. We owe it to ourselves to put a game plan in place. Uh, we owe it to ourselves to be the more physical team and just let them know that Ollie Gordon is not going to be, it, it, he's who they, they rest their hat on. And if we shut him down, then we win that game going away. Um, we've got a ton to play for. Uh, I think a 10 win season going into the SEC is a, is a big deal. I think a conference championship leaving the conference is a big deal. I think some of these guys who stuck around through the friend, the transition with Brent Venables from link is a big deal. And I think culturally you want to keep, uh, the excitement around recruiting, um, in a positive light. You don't want to go leave the season, um, two and two or one and three, and then you've got bowl season. And now these other teams were saying, uh Oh, Oh, you like, right. That's a pitch. You're going to hear. We got to keep that momentum up and in the season four and Oh, with the conference championship and say, Hey, you know, every dog has its day. Uh, we weren't perfect, but we're still an elite option for recruits. So I, I posted last night in one of my groups. There's a ton to play for. There's a lot of good football being played. And and here's the difference between last year and this year. We actually do have the pieces. Last year, it was like trying to yeah. stick a square peg in a circle hole. We actually have the pieces on both sides of the ball. And our trigger man has earned the right to be the trigger man. There's no question about is he good enough. He's He's been good enough to beat the best team on our schedule. All right? So he's good enough. Um we just got to put it together. Uh, listen, Jeff Levy, sometimes you got to get called out. I got called out. Jeff, you got to you got to do better, bro. You got to do a better job of putting our players in position to win. You've got to create a better scheme. There's no depth to our playbook. 
There's no depth to our playbook. There is no pivots when they take something away. We don't have, a, if the pivot is to run a fake double reverse action, that's like a, that's like a shtick play. That's not a, an alternative to somebody taking something away, which is what your playbook should have. You should say, hey, we're going to run this inside zone. And then when they, when they, when they, when the safety step up, because their safety stepped up, because we were six on six, we should have an action pass where the, the, the tight end, by the way, it's too simple. Go watch it. It's six. It's a, it's a, it's a 42 box. That means four down, two backers. Everyone else is out. Yeah. The safeties have to come up. They, they said it bright and early. The safeties came up. If you watch the play, there's five offensive linemen, there's four down. Whatever offensive lineman is free goes to the play side backer. The tight end who's in a sniffer position goes to the to the other backer. And then the safeties were making the plays. And they said it over and over again. Oh, the safeties are making it. By the way, two, three-yard plays. How difficult is it to run the exact same action, pull the ball, and the tight end just runs right by him? And you just throw it. Like, that is, that is JV football. That's JV football. Guys, it's clean. Like you don't even need the all 22. You can see it 10 times in the game. It's clean. It's a clean, easy adjustment to see. You could do it on the fly. We've we've got to have enough versatility in our playbook to be able to do that. If not, it's a disadvantage to our guys. It's a disadvantage to our players. And 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 offensive coordinator, I'm looking at you. That's totally that's totally your gig. Man, but what it reminds me of, and I look back to that 2006 season when you had Bomar go down and or didn't have him. You had him with all the all the stuff, right? And you had to figure out a way to make Paul Thompson successful. And who was the OC then? Was that Long or was that Wilson at that point? It was Wilson. Wilson, okay. He had to figure out a way to make Paul Thompson, and they got to 12 wins with him at quarterback. And I would say Dylan, Dylan Gabriel is a way better passer than Paul Thompson was. Uh, Paul was, was good. He was a good athlete, but Dylan Gabriel, a much better passer of the football is not going to outrun PT in a foot race, but can I interject? Can I interject? Go ahead. They let PT do the things he did. Well, put the ball, the throws that he did well, right? The actions that he did put him in a ton of boots, a so ton of boot. sprint outs, right? Like he had the opportunity to do the things God blessed him with. DG could do a lot of those things and, and ROC isn't putting him in those positions. So the day P Polk just came out and we'll, we'll finish with this. Um, OU 10th in the country. So they obviously didn't take as big of a hit as maybe people would have thought. I think Kansas gets a lot more respect now. But it does come down to winning out the rest of the season. It comes down to you're, you've now played the best offenses you're going to play for the entire season, save the conference championship game. And it looks like, man, at this point, we'll see how this K-State-Texas game goes. I think it's probably going to be K-State in that game. And if it is, Levy's going to have to have something because K-State is going to score. That's a game where they're probably going to get 30 to 38 points. OU has got to have something figured out by then because it's, it's maybe the unpopular opinion post game. The defense played well enough for OU to win that game. And that should not, you get two turnovers, you really give up 31 and then they had a cheap touch off the other turnover. So essentially just full straight up football. You hold them to what? 24, 27 points. That's good football against uh, Kansas. OU has to win out to make sure that they are in that game. Uh, and uh, we're going to keep winning out on the podcast, Sooner Nation. 
make sure if you haven't, please go over to the X. Barry and Mac SHW. Follow DMAC at D underscore Mac 13. Follow me, BYS Fitness at letter B W I S E Fitness. DMAC, parting words for Sooner Nation before we get out of here today, man. Yeah, I, I believe in our staff, including Levy. I, I hope he watches the film and says, hey, man, we, we got to go improve in some areas. There's some things that I need to improve, guys. There's some things you need to improve upon. There's probably some things that we need to add, omit, kind of kind of move around. Um, you shouldn't be having these conversations eight games into a season, but it is what it is, right? We got to do what we got to do. Uh, but also along with that, you know, we've got a lot to play for. Um I really believe this is a team, you know, I don't, we shouldn't get caught up in what happening be what we expected to happen. Now we go on a two to three game losing streak. Then that's a different, that's a, that's a different conversation, but man, we lost a game. Um, If this were next season, it wouldn't even be a big deal because as the number 10 rated uh, team in America, you're, you're firmly in, the actual playoff and if you keep winning you're probably going to end up at an eight or seven seed so let's leave it let's 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 back away from the ledge i think we need to when you when i was a sooner we critiqued our minuses hard and to me the biggest minus saturday was the offensive game plan and scheme so we need to be critiquing that and seeing something different next week I don't know that it's a we need to fire Jeff Levy scenario. I, you know, I'm not in that community, but Jeff Levy needs to come up with more and get more out of his out of his players, out of his scheme, and out of his play calling. All three on Saturday, I think, had glaring issues, and together it was a recipe for us finding a way to lose. Next week we have Oklahoma. The beautiful thing about Oklahoma State is it's a rivalry game, it's a grudge match coming off a loss. This is a game our guys have a ton to play for. This is a game where we'll see if we can handle a hostile environment. Those fans are going to be ready to go with those stupid things they slam against the, the oh wall and, and the whole nine. Um, yeah. Hey, man, this is what you sign up to go to OU for, and this is a game. We may not play them for 30 years. KU got there. Literally, KU would have had to say two generations of, of, of Jayhawks never felt what it saw what it felt like to beat OU. We cannot yeah. give Oklahoma State the opportunity to say they won on the way out. Grudge match game. We've got to go and win this game by more than a touchdown. Fantastic stuff today, DMAC. Sooner Nation. Make sure to go check out Sooners360.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Barry and Max Show. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you soon.